Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our current series, Be Rich. Scripture says that the way to be rich is by giving, serving, and showing God's love. This series will explore what the Bible says about this and how God wants us to respond. And along the way, we'll look at some foundational principles for being rich. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. It feels like we haven't been together in a long time. I have to remind myself, the last week at this time, there was almost a foot of snow up here, so things, how things change in a week. So we began a series last Sunday called Be Rich, and last week, we looked at this idea that we're called to be rich in love. Today, we're going to look at the truth that we're called to be rich in service, in serving others. So I'm going to invite two friends up here, Holly Condrada and John Jansen. So give them a warm Valley Brook welcome. So we're talking about service today, and so we have asked these folks who uh, serve in various capacities to share a little bit of their story. So I'm going to start with Holly. Can you just tell us a little bit about the ministry? Actually, you serve in a couple ministries that you serve in. Yes, uh, I serve in the care ministry. Uh, So I coordinate setting up meal trains for those that Uh, Maybe just someone that had had a baby or someone that just had surgery, uh, someone going through a difficult time, and we have a team that uh, signs up for those, and they uh, bring the the meals to people. And we recently added on um, sending cards to people, too, that are going through a difficult time or just need a a word of encouragement, know that their church is there for them and thinking about them, and we're just here. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to somebody yesterday who has been the recipient of some of those cards and and that love, and they were just very appreciative. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. So, John, tell us about the ministry you serve in. So, I serve at Meadowbrook. It's a nursing home in town. Um, They have rehab people and permanent people. Um, It's a semi-structured worship prayer service we do twice a month, Fridays and sometimes Saturday mornings. Depends on the schedule. we're basically there to show the residents how much God loves them, to spread the gospel, and to just have fun with them yeah. and without getting into trouble. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So let me just clarify. You don't have to be somebody who can sing or play an instrument to serve. Is that correct? That's correct. Um, some residents struggle to even just flip a page on a book um, one of the residents we minister to, she's 102 years old. Yeah, yeah. And there's Navy veterans there. Um, yeah. On some of the different holidays, we'll target specific things, uh, themes like um, um, Memorial Day or something or Christmas. Um, you know, we, we did something special for the veterans. And it was actually amazing because all even all the non um veteran, elderly people were so supportive of the whole thing. And just you could just feel the love. There's a couple of Navy guys in there. And um, so it's awesome. That's great. That's great. So, so Holly, what led you to start serving in this way? 
Well, first I, I prayed on it. Uh, when we moved here, I wasn't sure what, where would be the best fit for me um, to fit in, to plug in. I mean, I have, I have a lot of interests, but I, I knew God know, knew where he could put me best. And shortly after I prayed on it, um, I saw the ad in our weekly email for the care ministry position came up, and I thought, Lord, you know you know, right, right, what you're doing and where you want me. So I signed right up for that. Okay. Yeah, that's great. John, how about you? What led you to start serving in this way? It was kind of kind of funny, um, strange, funny. God has quite a sense of humor. Um, um, years ago, I had given up the guitar because of some really negative experiences, and I didn't play it for like 20 years. And, um, so you know, like ZZ Top stuff and things like that. Um, but some of the crazy things that went along with it. Yeah, yeah. And so anyway, um, years back, I attended a similar ministry to what we're doing now that a friend was doing. And I was amazed at how the residents responded to it, um, the worship music and the message. You could see there was just a starving for it. And um, anyway, so what happened was, um, you know, I had these bad feelings about music and guitar and all this stuff. Um, and a couple of elders kind of took me under their wing and they kind of mentored me and it led to me helping them. And um, it, it was just mind blowing. The residents got to a point where they called our worship service their happy hour. <laughs> so That's great, that's great. Holly, how have you sensed God using you in this ministry? Uh, I really have sensed God using me in this role that I know he's used me in the last few few years. Um, it pre the previous two churches I've, that we've gone to, I've worked in their care ministry and really have learned a lot about people and uh, the struggles that people are going through, just seeing that firsthand and um, just being able to use those skills now and the capacity now in this church and to love on people and let people know in their time of need, we you know, we love you guys, we're, we're here for you, and you know, you're not alone, not forgotten, and if you need something that we're here and we care, and i just really blessed for the Lord to have, you know, put me into this position. That's great, that's great. John, how about you? How have you sensed God using you in this ministry? So, um, God has done amazing things in this ministry. Um, it has expanded and included hospice visits, and even trips to the ICU down the hospital on a Sunday morning. We've been in there bedside in ICU. Um, one evening, God opened the door to the Springfield Men's Mission. We went, we did testimonies, did music, and, um, and also Hartford uh, Men's Mission. And the Springfield people wanted us to, the people in charge of the mission, wanted us to be on a constant rotation, which Life and work just kind of gets in the way of it. There's so much you can do. Um, there's just such a need out there. Um, just quickly, Pastor, one other thing. Before service today, Holly and I were talking, and so naturally we're asking each other about what we do. And um, there may be something in the future where Holly and I were talking about um, she gets to know about sick people from the church. If there's someone that just can't make it a service, so they're really sick. Um, we were talking about maybe possibly me or a couple of people going and doing music for them at their home 
a prayer, music, and you That's know, great. a live visit. So That's great. we'll see where that goes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Holly, what would you tell others about serving God? Uh, I find serving to be extremely rewarding. Uh, the friendships that you make uh, when you're working side by side with people, you know, your, in your church family. I mean, there's something, it's just, pr it's pretty amazing. Um, and just seeing the people that you're able to touch and reach and, you know, you know that you were part of, you're part of reaching them and helping them through whatever difficulty they're going through. And I would just suggest if you're not sure, you know, where you should serve, uh, just, just pray on it. I mean, God will definitely make that clear to you and open up a door for you of where you can plug in and help. That's great. That's great. How about you, John? Serving God has brought more joy than we could ever, ever imagine. It's, it's like he, he always is paying dividends back to you. Um, for the people in Meadowbrook, we're not just visitors anymore. We're family now. Yeah. Um, when, when some of the residents see us come to the door, their faces just light up. And um, serving in this ministry, I felt that God has helped me to grow and mature more. But I know I still have a long way to go. And it, it won't be till after I'm long gone. Um, and um, when you're responsible for sharing the gospel, um, it's a must that you have to be in the word. And it has definitely nudged me even more, like being in the word on steroids, kind of. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. Um, I, I just wanted to say thank you to Donna and Bob and Bobby and Kay yeah. for people that from time to time have helped me. And also Ken Perry. Some of the residents told me they didn't have Bibles and just one Sunday in a conversation with Ken, next thing you know, the um, administrative team here got us Bibles for people that, a lot of them can't even afford them, something like a Bible. Yeah. And um, we had a whole box they called me about and we brought them into the residence there. So, um, and Pastor Clark and Kim for your support You're also. Welcome. You know, I would say if you're interested in serving in the ministry that Holly is in or the ministry that John's in, you know, please talk to them after the service. I know Holly's actually going to go share with the uh, Spanish translation service right now. But if you want to, if you can't catch them, just send us an email at connect at valleybrook.c about their ministries or honestly any of the opportunities that we have to serve. I want to pray for you guys before we conclude this. So, Father, I'm just grateful for uh, Holly and John and for all that they do for you and for the body of Christ and for those who are outside of Valleybrook. And so, Lord, I pray that you would use them continually and use all of us to reach people for your kingdom and to help people grow in their faith and to, to demonstrate the love of Jesus through their service. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for, sir, for sharing with us today. Give them a warm round of applause. So we know where we're going today. So uh, I, I want to share with you the uh, scripture from the, the book of 1 Timothy that is something that we're focusing on throughout this series. It comes from 1 Timothy chapter 6, and it's verses 17, 18, and 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, 
which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So we're unpacking these verses, and uh, today you can see that it's not talking about being rich in money, although that's who it's addressing, and I'll get to that in a moment, but it's talking about being rich in good deeds. So contextually, Paul starts off by telling this young leader, whose name is Timothy, to speak to people who have money, in other words, who are rich in this present world, as Paul writes And in the first message of this series, I addressed uh, that when most of us hear that the intended audience of this scripture is people who are rich in this world, we think, well, that's not me. That's not us. We don't feel rich. We don't think we're rich. So if you didn't get to hear last week's message, I encourage you to go to our website and you can hear it or you can watch it. but, But let me help you grasp the undeniable truth that we are more than likely richer than we know, regardless of how we think about that or how we feel about that. So based on numbers from 2022, it's estimated that only 10% of the world's population own a car, all right? As one person states, any vehicle is a luxury for most people on the planet. The expense of buying one, along with the ownership costs, such as fuel, maintenance, and insurance, is not something that's affordable for most people in the world. So, with that in mind, if you own a car, and just one car, you are wealthier than 90% of the rest of the people in the world. So... When Paul tells Timothy to tell people who are rich in this world, in other words, people who own a car, I think he's talking to most of us, if not all of us in this room. And he says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. To do good and to be rich in good deeds, in other words, to serve others freely, generously. I think it's important for us to wrestle with the question of why Paul singled out people who were rich in this world as the ones who needed to be commanded to to do good and to be rich in good deeds. It could be that Paul knows that the more you have, the more you are preoccupied with taking care of the things that you have, and he's trying to counter that self-centered focus. It could be he's trying to challenge the haves, to help the have-nots, but I'm not sure which it is, but I'm certain of this, that he is challenging Christ followers, anybody who calls themselves a Christian. He is challenging them to follow Jesus' example and Jesus' teaching. Now, Paul was not there on the night that Jesus washed his disciples' feet, but I suspect that Peter and the other disciples certainly told him about that powerful and humbling experience when they gathered for that evening meal with Jesus. 
We read about it in the Gospel of John, but the night that they met, they met at a home, and for some reason, the normal job of hospitality that would have been performed by a servant or or a slave, there was not one there to do that. And that job was the customary job of washing the feet of people that were invited into a home. And interestingly, none of the disciples offered to take up that role. So everybody sat at the table to begin the meal. And then to everybody's shock, Jesus got up and he went and he got a towel and he got a pitcher of water and he got a wash basin and working his way around the table, he washed the feet of every single disciple. And when he was finished, when he was finished doing the role of a servant, of a slave, he said this, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, Jesus said, you will be blessed if you do them. You will be blessed if you serve others. If you, you will be blessed if you do something as lowly as washing others' feet, others' feet. So by taking up the towel of a servant, of a slave, Jesus demonstrated that he came to serve and not to be served. And then with his words, he taught those who follow him then and now that to be a follower means that we will seek to serve others rather than to be served by others. And in this command, in 1 Timothy, Paul is passing on this key teaching of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to be a Christian, to be a Christ follower. To follow Jesus means to serve others as Jesus has served them and as he would serve them. Now, with that in mind, I want us to embrace some key understandings of our service as followers of Jesus. And here's the first thing that we need to know. We need to know whom we serve. Yes, we are serving other people, but Jesus gives us a clarifying statement in a vision of Scripture where he talks about the final judgment, when when God will judge everyone on the earth, and, and he represents God as a king. It could also be his own representation of when he sits on that great judgment seat. And in that story, Jesus teaches us about what that will look like, and those whom he will welcome into the kingdom of God and those who will not be welcomed into the kingdom of God. And he says this, those who will be welcome are those who, when he was hungry, they fed him. And when, they were, when he was thirsty, they gave him something to drink. And when he was a stranger, they welcomed him in. And when he needed clothing, they gave him clothes. And when he was sick, They visited him, and and when he was in prison, they went 
to be with him. And in that dialogue with Jesus, these people who are called righteous asked, when did we do that for you? We didn't see you hungry or thirsty or naked or a prisoner or sick. But Jesus said this, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. When we serve other people, whether we've recognized it or not, we are serving Jesus. And essentially, especially when we're serving those who are overlooked and ignored, as Pastor Eugene Peterson translates part of this verse. Now, this vision of whom we serve carried over into the writings of the Apostle Paul to the early churches when he gave Christians who were slaves some specific instructions. And this is what he said. He said, do your work willingly as though you were serving the Lord himself and not just your earthly master. In fact, the Lord Christ is the one you are really serving. Now, I understand that these contextually were instructions that were given to to Christians who happen to be servants or slaves of their owners, but we understand today that this, these words can apply to us and that they do apply to us of how and for whom we are really doing our work. Imagine what would happen in the places where we work if those who profess to believe in Jesus did their work as though they were serving Jesus and not customers or others, but they were saying, wow, this person who's in front of me is a representation of the Lord, and I'm serving Jesus by, by serving them. Let me be clear, this doesn't mean that you will be the best employee from a profit margin point of view. It's not about earning the company money, but it means you will do what you do and for whom you do it in ways that glorify God, that honor God, that, that make him famous because you recognize that even though you're serving humans, ultimately you're serving God in the way you perform the job that you've been tasked or hired to perform because you do it serving them and loving them and caring for them. Some of you know that there's a group of us going to Guatemala on a mission trip in February. And as we've uh, begun to prepare for that trip, we're meeting regularly and we're going through some training. And one of the challenging things that being brought before us is that we have to set aside our cultural expectations. We have to set aside what we think is right and we need to humble ourselves and be willing to do whatever it takes to serve the people. Now, we'll be going to Guatemala, serving alongside our missionary, our, our congregation's missionary, Jalen Perry, and we're excited to do that. And, and I suspect that we're going to be pushed out of our comfort zone to serve others in ways that we've never done before. But we remind ourselves that we're serving the Lord Jesus Christ when we do that. So that's whom we serve. Now we need to 
look and understand why we serve. In her book, Atheist Finding God, she tells unlikely stories of conversions to faith. Her name is Jana Harmon, and, and she explored why atheists became Christians. One big factor she included is the kindness of Christians. She writes, Listen, you know, nearly two-thirds of the former atheists I spoke with thought they would never leave their atheistic identity and perspective. They were not looking for God. They were not interested in spiritual conversations. So she said, what broke down your walls of resistance? And she discovered that something disrupted the status quo of their atheistic views. She shares one story about how some Christians became the catalyst that disrupted the atheistic worldview by Christ-like kindness. She writes, Jeffrey became an atheist following a childhood tragedy where he lost two of his brothers in a household fire. His deep pain fueled a vitriolic hatred against God and also instability in his own life. During the next 20 years, he developed strong arguments to support his emotional resistance to belief in God. When his wife unexpectedly became a Christian, his anger against God only grew. And then one evening, his wife called and asked him if she could pick him up at the very home of the Christians who had led her to Christ. So as Jeffrey was getting ready to go there, he expected there to be a heated exchange. He expected there to be arguments. But instead, what he received was warm hospitality and kindness. And he felt valued, and, and he was drawn back again and again toward meaningful conversations with these followers of Jesus. And over time, the walls of resistance began to melt, and friendship and trust developed, and intellectual questions were answered, and eventually, he lost his resistance to God. And he found the peace and the joy that had long eluded him by putting his faith in Jesus. Jesus himself tells us why we serve. He makes it clear that it's important for us to serve and for people to see us serving. But serving is not about us being seen by others. It's about God and about pointing people toward God. This is what Jesus said. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In his book about starting a church revolution through serving, Pastor Dino Rizzo writes that his hope is that Christians will be awakened to see the world from a new perspective, that they will not wake up thinking, how can I grow my church today for pastors, or how can I improve my career today, but rather that the first thought in our hearts every morning will be, how can I serve the people in my life today? 
How can I serve the people in my life today? How can I reach out and care for those who live next doors or, or those who work in the same office with me? And he goes on and he says this, we may never know until we get to heaven how our service and our simple acts of kindness have affected the course of a life, of a community, or even a nation. If we do nothing, the result will be nothing. But he goes on, however, when we engage in a pursuit to serve others in a ser uh, when a, and a serving revolution is ignited to care for the hurting around us, we will witness the most amazing results. People will find hope and healing that can be found only in Jesus. We will find that we are part of something bigger than ourselves as we join with him in building the kingdom of God. Thinking about the teaching of Jesus and what Pastor Dino wrote, I have to tell you what happened uh, to me this week. Obviously, last week at this time, there was a huge snowstorm going on. And one day this week, I, I was uh, headed down the street in, in my neighborhood, and I, I saw uh, my neighbor shoveling, not snow blowing, shoveling her driveway. She's an older woman, and so I stopped to ask if I could help. And, you know, she was a little reluctant. I think she felt like she would be imposing on me if she, if she said yes, but eventually she did say yes. And so I went home and I got my snowblower and I went down to help her. And so I helped her take care of the driveway. And afterwards, she said this to me, one day you're going to convert me. So, you know, that's the baggage that pastors have to carry, okay? Um, and that's why, obviously, she said that. But what it does is it illustrates the power of serving. When we serve others selflessly like Jesus, it catches people's attention. And it gives us an opportunity to tell people why we serve. And remember why we serve? Because our Lord and Savior said, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So as followers of Jesus, we're called to be rich in good deeds and we're called to serve others. When we do that, we're ultimately serving God and we're witnessing to the world how he has changed our lives, not just our eternity, but how we live out our lives while we're on this earth. Today, we've heard some folks talk about how they serve others, and, and I encourage you to talk to John, to talk to Holly, uh, talk to any of our leaders about how you can find a place to serve, because I believe this. I believe that each one of us is wired with gifts and talents that we can use to build the kingdom of God, and when we do that, we're glorifying God and we're serving other people. I also believe there are times when you can do something like help somebody shovel their snow. I don't, I don't know if anybody has a spiritual gift of snow shoveling, but I, I think if we're able-bodied, we can do that. So I would encourage you, if you want to lean into that, you know, talk to any of our leaders around here or send us an email at connect at valleybrook.cc. Um, also, I would encourage this, at the end of our service, when you go out into the cafe, you're going to see that there's a, some flyers on the round tables in the cafe, and they're... Uh, advertising a, an equipping, a Christian equipping event called Thrive. It's going to happen on 
the first Friday and Saturday of February. Um, it is actually a free conference. We do ask that you register ahead of time. Uh, the, the only cost would be if you want to purchase a box lunch, but if you can grab those flyers or you can go to our website, you can find all about it. And there are some seminars that are going to take place that can equip you. And you'll find out more about those if you check out online or if you look at those flyers. But the reality is this. Jesus called us to serve. When, when, when we're not serving, we're not following him. We're not being a disciple. Now, that's not to guilt us. That's to help us right-size the understanding that we're all called to serve. So I want to encourage you to, to lean into that and do whatever it takes to find that place where you can serve. And it may be as simple as accompanying John on one of those trips to Meadowbrook Nursing Home and wheeling residents in wheelchairs down to where they worship. Or it may be as simple as talking to Holly about signing up to make a meal for somebody when they're recovering from surgery or uh, when they're coming home right after having a child or when there's been a death in the family. When we do that, we're not just serving people. We're serving Jesus. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up for our final, our final song. But I want to say this, you know, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you've gotten an inside look today about what it means to be a follower of Jesus but if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, to be a part of something bigger than yourself, to understand that Jesus loves you and wants you to have a relationship with him and also have power for living in this life and the promise of eternal life, you can make that decision today. And it happens when you understand that Jesus died to pay for your sins and you admit that you're a sinner and need that forgiveness, and you acknowledge that there's no way you could obtain that forgiveness on your own, but you need a Savior, and Jesus has offered to be all of our saviors, and if we accept his forgiveness for our sins and decide to believe in him and follow him, he will forgive us and empower us to live this life on earth and also give us the promise of eternity. So to make that decision, all you need to do is tell him. So I'm going to invite you in a prayer to do that. And then I'm going to say a prayer for all of us as we lean into the truth that our Lord and Savior has called us to serve others. So if you would bow your heads. Father, I recognize there may be a man or a woman or a boy or a girl who's hearing this message and said, I want to become a follower of Jesus. If that's you, I encourage you to silently, wherever you are, pray these words back to God. Dear God, I believe that Jesus came and died to pay for my sins. I acknowledge that I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Forgive me today. Help me to begin following Jesus today and assure me of his presence. And we'll say amen to that. Lord, I praise you. For every person who's hearing this message, they are fearfully and wonderfully made by you, our creator God. And you've gifted each one of them with talents and abilities and skills, minds and bodies to be able to serve others in your name. So I pray that each one of them would lean in to that truth and find the joy 
of serving you by serving others and recognizing that they're doing their part to grow your kingdom. I pray this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen.